It's Monday, June 18th, and this is The Daily Dive. The First Lady Melania Trump has made a statement about immigration, saying that she hates to see children separated from their families and urged lawmakers to cooperate on immigration reform. This comes after the Associated Press reported that in a period from April 19th through May 31st, almost 2,000 children were separated from their parents after trying to enter the country illegally. There will be a bill voted on in the House this week to address this and other immigration concerns. My producer Miranda will join me for more on this conversation. Next, we will be joined by Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters, about two other developments over the weekend. The president said he has been exonerated by the Inspector General report on the FBI's handling of the probe into Hillary Clinton's email, and that the Mueller investigation has been discredited. We'll also discuss new tariffs on China and who is most likely to be affected here in the United States. Finally, a new industry is booming, prompting cities to take a step in regulating them. Companies are hoping that their product can solve many of the problems of getting around in densely populated areas. Kia Kokolicheva, tech reporter for Axios, will tell us about the electronic scooter craze and how cities are handling this new e-scooter economy. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I will tell you that nobody likes this policy. You saw the president on camera that he wants this to end. But Congress passed a law that it is a crime. This is a congressional law from many years ago. Many it is years. a crime to enter this country illegally. So if they don't like that law, they should change it. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda Moreno. There's going to be a big week ahead for immigration and the fate of a lot of children who are being separated from their families. That was a big story that happened last week. The Associated Press got their hands on some Department of Homeland Security information and had some startling figures as to how many kids are being separated from their families when they try to cross the border illegally. So, Miranda, what was in that AP report? They found that by the end of May, 1,995 kids taken from 1,940 parents since Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced the zero-tolerance policy at the southern border. And the zero tolerance policy, basically, if you're caught crossing the border, you're going to be apprehended and prosecuted. So typically when people are apprehended crossing the border, they're held in an immigrant detention center. They're sent before an immigration judge to see if they're going to be deported. But migrants who have been referred to for criminal prosecution, they get sent to a federal jail and brought before a federal judge. It takes weeks to do that sometimes. It's to see if they're going to get any prison time. And that's where this separation happens with the zero tolerance policy, because you can't be kept with your children in a federal jail. There was a lot of feedback. The first lady said something over the weekend about this policy as well. What did she say? Yeah, and Melania doesn't really get involved in these kinds of debates, especially around immigration. But she's decided to make a statement as of Sunday, and she's pushing for bipartisan cooperation to end the separation of the children from their parents. So here's the statement from her office. It reads, Mrs. Trump hates to see children separated from their families and hopes both sides of the aisle can finally come together to achieve successful immigration reform. She believes we need to be a country that follows all laws, but also a country that governs with heart. Yeah, there's going to be a few immigration bills coming up this week, and we'll get into those in a minute. But even the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, has uh, really staked a claim on this, saying non-citizens who cross the border unlawfully between our ports of entry with children are not an exception. This is part of that zero-tolerance policy. And a lot of lawmakers are getting involved. For the weekend, they tried to get into a few detention centers 
to uh, reunite some families. What happened there? There were about seven representatives from different states that attempted to go into the detention facilities and see. And they were given a runaround. Essentially, employees who were working at these detention centers did everything they could to keep the lawmakers out. They even went as far as covering the windows with pieces of paper so that they couldn't see through the glass to see what was happening inside. I know that's tough. And I know that the people at the detention centers, they have a job to do and even even protocols. And obviously lawmakers are trying to make a bigger deal of this, get a lot of public awareness of this. But even in the meantime, just the optics of this, how horrible it is to have to put up post-it notes and papers and things like that just to block the views of what's going on in these detention centers. It's pretty crazy. One representative described meeting a man whose five-year-old daughter was taken for him. Another woman spoke about how her infant was ripped from her as she was breastfeeding her. Another man has committed suicide after his three-year-old son was taken from him. These people don't know where their kids are. They don't know if they'll ever see them again. There was also a big viral image of parents getting detained and the little baby there crying. And obviously that pulls on a lot of heartstrings with people. But this also seems to be very much a bargaining chip for the president. He's tweeted out saying, I'm only doing this because of a Democratic law that was passed, which is not really true. He's saying that he really needs them to come to the table, pass an immigration bill that comes through on the wall. And he's really using this as getting them to the table. So they are considering some immigration bills this coming week. There's two. One is more a little more conservative that is not going to get much traction But there is a new bill coming up that addresses a lot of the president's issues, the wall, the uh, separation of families, the uh, visa lottery. What's in this new bill? Basically, what it does is everything that President Trump has been asking for since his days of running for president. The bill will provide special legal status for DACA recipients. These are the people who have been in the United States for at least 10 years and they were under 16 years of age when they came in. They've been enrolled in school or have a high school diploma. This isn't a pathway to citizenship. It's just a protection. Just so they don't get deported and and tossed out, they can still remain in the country. Exactly. Uh, This bill will also cover children who are caught crossing the border illegally. Their parents will remain in detention longer, but they wouldn't be forced to be separated from their parents in immigration detention centers. Yeah, that's a big one right there. That that will appease a lot of people, keep the families together. But that still isn't long-term fix if the process keeps getting dragged out. They can't stay in those facilities that long. So, And they're not unlimited size. Right, You exactly. can't just hold everybody in the world in So there. at some point, even then, families still could be separated. Yeah, and then this bill would also put $25 billion towards President Trump's wall. Right, and that's a huge part of this. He's said many times, we need to build the wall, we need to get this going. And that's going to be a tough point of contention when uh, lawmakers vote on this. You know, there's a lot of money that needs to go into this. And the president wants it all at once, maybe it sounds like. And and this is an incremental thing. It's a long process. And I know this is a big sticking point for the president. Yeah. And this would also eliminate green card programs for married children of U.S. citizens. It eliminate the diversity lottery. And it would also make it harder for immigrants to claim asylum. Jeff Sessions said you can no longer claim gang violence and other uh, domestic abuse, domestic abuse as qualifiers to gain asylum. Big debates coming up on immigration this week. There is supposed to be a vote and we'll see where it leaves us at the end of uh, at the end of the week on immigration. Thank you for joining us, Miranda. Thank you, Oscar.
the uh, report yesterday, maybe more importantly than anything, it totally exonerates me. Uh, there was no collusion. There was no obstruction. And if you read the report, you'll see that. What you'll really see is you'll see bias against me and millions and tens of millions of my followers. And I think that the Mueller investigation has been totally discredited. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters. So we had a huge report that came out last week. The inspector general had a report on how former FBI director James Comey handled the probe into Hillary Clinton's emails. It was not very good for James Comey. He said he uh, didn't follow a lot of the FBI norms, although he, he wasn't necessarily politically motivated. And the president came out and he said that this report fully exonerates him. And it also means that the Mueller investigation has been totally discredited. What happened? What was all the fallout from this investigation? This was the kind of report that someone could find something they both liked and hated, maybe except for James Comey. The report really took Comey to task for how he handled the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. And Democrats felt very vindicated by that, pointing to the report's findings that he acted outside of the norms when he announced some of the investigations into her emails in the middle of the election. Donald Trump, however, also seemed to find something that he liked, seizing on the fact that there was criticism of Comey and arguing that that was why he fired him. Now, we know that's a little bit of a muddling of the timeline. Donald Trump has since said very clearly that he fired James Comey for the Russia investigation and not because of how he handled Hillary Clinton's emails. And we also know that Comey's role in firing came after some of those those revelations. This Russia investigation had kicked off. It wasn't done sort of in a vacuum. Like you said, everybody picks and chooses what they want from the report. Trump's legal team is going to use this just to say that the FBI was always biased against them. They had those texts from these other FBI agents that said, you know, we'll stop Trump from being president. It is kind of a, a small win for the president where it shows that people were not happy with the prospect of him being president, and and they're going to use that as much as they can to discredit the entire Russia probe. That's right. Trump sees this more as a public relations fight. They just have to convince the public that Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong and that people close to Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong. They're not really interested at least in the public arena, about fighting of the details of what happened. And they see this as bolstering their case. Doesn't matter what the FBI agents were investigating. Doesn't matter what role they were playing. If there's evidence that someone at the FBI said something bad about Donald Trump, or in this case, text messages saying that they would try to keep him from being president, that's enough to make the case that the whole thing is corrupt and the whole thing should be tossed out and they should all be disregarded. And that's really what the Trump effort here is. Undermine and disregard the entire FBI in the entire FBI investigation. Reports say that Mueller has not been deterred by this at all. He's going to keep going and we'll see whatever report he ends up coming out with when he's ready to end the investigation. The other uh, big story over the weekend, too, is these, uh, this ongoing possibility of a trade war with China. President Trump slapped China with $50 billion in tariffs, and they immediately shot back with a bunch of their own. The business community is very unhappy and very nervous about these developments. They've been trying to talk Trump and his administration 
out of imposing these tariffs. They're very concerned that it could cause consumer prices here in the United States to go up as a result. And they've been trying to convince him that it's a bad idea, but he's moving ahead. Donald Trump really sees tariffs as a solution to the trade problem, not a problem in itself. You look at a place like Iowa, that's one of the biggest exporters of pork in our country. The Chinese buy a good deal of pork. Soybeans, the president had been saying he was going to improve exports of U.S. soybeans to China. Instead, now it's going to potentially be harder for the United States to try to start moving forward with soybean exports. This is the the states that voted for Donald Trump and have no doubt that case has been made to him. We know that the agriculture secretary, Purdue, has repeatedly argued to Trump that he's really going to hurt his own voters, and that hasn't seemed to convince him. At the heart of this whole dispute is really uh, has to do a lot uh, with technology. When U.S. companies want to get in the Chinese market, they're forced to hand over some of their technological advances and stuff, and, and, and then that lets China kind of jump into the fray and steal their technology. It's all about stealing technology. Isn't a lot of this trade war fight all about that? That's right. You ask technology companies about um, what they call IP fights or IP theft, intellectual property in China and some other Asian nations. And they will say, this is a real issue. It's a real problem. If you're going to build your iPhone in a factory in China, you don't want to hand the Chinese government all of the blueprints of your iPhone that they can then turn around and make an iPhone themselves to sell in China uh, without giving Apple any of the credit or any of the profits. And so they've been really pushing to try uh, to stop that type of what they call theft, intellectual property theft. But at the same time, they don't see these tariffs, some of them on unrelated products as really creating a solution and only escalating the problems instead of rectifying them. Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. They're all charging about a dollar to unlock the scooter. And most of them give you like 15 minutes built into that price. And then about 10 to 15 cents per minute after that. So it's pretty cheap. Joining us now is Kia Kokolicheva. She covers tech for Axios. There's this new business boom that's happening. Everybody wants in on it. City regulators are being forced to address it because it's growing and growing. And it has similarities to the current ride hailing economy that we have with car services such as Uber and Lyft. But this one is a little different. It's a lot cheaper. It's the electric scooter boom. Kia, what can you tell us about this? It is the latest craze right now in transportation. Even the right hailing companies are trying to get in on it. And as you mentioned, there are some differences. One of them is that none of the companies have to depend on labor to provide rides. So that's definitely changing the business model for them. Some of them are using independent contractors to charge the scooters or move them around, but that's a completely different side of the business. And then another thing that's proven pretty interesting to watch is that cities are getting to regulate the flow of these scooters and how many companies can operate, which didn't happen with ride hailing. Now you're seeing all these companies in San Francisco applying for a permit to operate. They'll be given a certain number of scooters that they can have on the streets at all times. They really need to beg their way into operating into the city. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, in San Francisco, 12 companies applied for five permits. Right. And so far, these scooter services are, like you said, San Francisco, Santa Monica, California as well, Austin, Texas, 
Washington, D.C., so you can, it's starting to grow. Briefly, describe what these scooters are. They're kind of like the flat bottom, two little tires, and I guess they have an electric motor to help you go. Yeah, that's definitely those. Um, They're a little bit of an upgrade on the classic not motorized kit scooter, but yeah, they're small and lightweight, and you just stand on them and ride around. Before this, was those city bikes. They have the little bike racks. You can go and rent the bike for whatever the price was. And now they're doing this, the exact same thing, but with the scooters. What's the price point on the scooters? They're all charging about a dollar to unlock the scooter. And most of them give you like 15 minutes built into that price. And then about 10 to 15 cents per minute after that. So it's pretty cheap. And as you said, a lot of cities are now having to get in the game of regulating these things because they're kind of becoming a problem. People leaving them wherever, creating a nuisance. I don't know, maybe you can drop it in a driveway and then cars can't get through. So it's kind of becoming a a small problem in these cities where they're really starting to get the ball rolling on the scooters. Exactly. I mean, a lot of the issues with that is that people are complaining that it looks bad around the streets and the sidewalks, but... More than that, it's actually a safety issue. I mean, if you think about sidewalks, as you mentioned, you can drop it in front of a garage door and the car can't come out without literally driving over it. You know, you can drop them in front of a door and people can trip. You can leave them in the middle of the sidewalk and people who are on wheelchairs or any of that kind of stuff are going to have some issues getting around it. So It's both an issue of how it looks awful around the city, but it's also a safety problem. Is that the business model right now where you just leave it wherever? I know they're GPS and the company can track them down later, but is that what the model is? You just leave it anywhere on the street? For the most part, yeah. They're called dockless scooters, which we've also seen with a lot of the bike share services where you don't have to return it to a set station, although that can change. I mean, A lot of the companies in their permit applications in San Francisco mention different things like working with the city on designated parking areas where they would have to be left and picked up from or creating scooter racks. So I think the companies are definitely realizing that they need to be flexible and maybe provide more order on that front to help with all these issues. But for the most part, they are designed for being dockless. What are some of the main companies involved in this? I know Uber and Lyft are developing plans for this. There's other companies called Skip and Bird, Lime. Who are these people comprised of? So it really depends on what city you look at. But in San Francisco specifically, we had Bird, Lime, and Spin that were out there um, before regulators kind of reined things in. Interestingly, Spin and Lime did bikes first. And then now we're seeing Uber and Lyft apply for the permits. Skip, which used to be called Waybot, was quietly operating in Washington, D.C., in partnership with the city government. And they're, they're actually based in San Francisco, so they want to operate here as well. We're actually seeing Razor, of all companies, applying for a permit. It's a boom. It's happening. A lot of businesses are getting into it. Safety is always a key concern. You can't just leave them everywhere. But a lot of people don't want to wear helmets when they're writing these things. So yeah, it is up to the cities to start regulating. Last question, do you really think that these scooters are going to take off more and more um, for cities and, and densely populated areas? Do you think this is really going to catch on? Yeah, to be honest, I do. One thing that's been interesting is that in San Francisco, the companies were ordered to take them off the street by June 4th. And since then, I've actually seen people riding their own electric scooters around the city which I think should be a clue that this is definitely 
a useful mode of transportation for residents. Kia Kokolacheva, she's covering tech for Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. We love the feedback, so don't forget to leave us a comment and give us a rating. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive. Daily Dive.